Welcome back to the Flat Rate Tech Podcast. On today's episode, I talked to Aaron, the owner of Aaron Automotive, located in College Station, Texas. You can check his website out at AaronAutomotiveBCS.com. Hope you enjoy this episode. So, it's Aaron, right? Yeah, that's right, man. All right, because, you know, I watch uh, YouTube and I see the videos from, uh, I can't think of the Key and Peel. Mm-hmm. And they come, remember that one? He's like, A-A-Ron. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. That, was, that was a good skit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a guy at my shop named Aaron, spelled the same way, and that's what they would always call him, and he would just let it ride, and we're like, I think that's what it's supposed to be called. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like, that's probably the, the right spelling or pronunciation or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I'll cut all that out. Don't worry about it. Nah, it's all good. Uh, so what's up, man? You, uh, you got your own shop, huh? Yeah. So I've actually been working in the industry for quite a while, but I just started a shop in April of 2020. Wow. So where did you start? So, uh... Well, I've been wrenching since I was a kid. Uh, I grew up poor in East Texas. So if you found a dirt bike in the woods, that was a free dirt bike. Oh, yeah. So just, you know, wrenching, going, you know, as you go. And uh, ended up joining the Navy, working on aircraft for like four years, working on the F-18, stuff like that. And once I left out of there, I was going to work on aircraft out in the civilian world. But when I got out, it was the 09 crash. Yeah. So I was like, all right, it's back to slinging wrenches, which, you know, whatever, I'm good at it. So I ended up going to the School of Automotive Machinists using some of that GI Bill money and uh, learning how to build custom engines, port cylinder heads, really, really incredibly cool stuff. Nice. And then from there, I started poking around the circuit, you know what I mean? dealerships, indie shops, trying to see what the best fit is, how things work, the culture. Right. And after I got done with all my, you know, time and service, I guess, I started a little thing out of my driveway. And that originally was just a way to make some beer money, in truth, (laughs) while I was looking for another job. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I just kept at it and my clientele list just started getting wild and it finally got to the point where the city took notice and Uh they, uh, yeah, they slapped me with a nice fat fine. And so I had to shut everything down for a little bit. And this is mind you, luckily I was already in the process of like getting the building built because I tried to find a place to just rent. Right. But there's nothing available for mechanics. Like there's just really no good accommodations for that. It's probably an untapped commercial market or something. Right. But trying to find a shop was impossible. So I had to build a shop, which is a wild process because I ended up drawing the shop how I wanted the shop to be. Because I've worked in the industry for a, a long, long time. Like I'm 35, but I've been doing it since I was a kid. And so, you know how a typical shop is laid out where you got like a six or seven bay garage and each one has a door and right, right. it doesn't matter what temperature it is. For some reason, you're just supposed to have it open and die. <laughs> so I, I never, I never liked that. And whenever I drew my shop, I was like, there's going to be one door in and like one door out. We're going to do it like long house style and just pull all the bays sideways so you can just pull the car in, do what you got to do, pull out. You're good to go. Everybody stays warm. We got heaters because I'm a Texan, which translates that I'm a huge bitch in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I don't do it. I hate it. I mean, I'll go out there and do it. I'm just going to hate it the whole time. Oh, yeah. Plus, I hate cold wrenches, man. <laughs> yeah. Every time you do, you try to loosen a bolt and you slip and hit something with your hand. It's just so much pain, dude. So much oh. pain. The only nice thing is like that, uh, that nice delay in time. Cause it's so cold. Your blood doesn't work. Yeah. So you're like, uh, well that's going to bleed. Yep. Just don't look at it. You'll be all right. Yeah. Just wrap it with a rag. Yep. So you've had your shop, you built it. You, you didn't build it, but you drew it all up. You designed it. You planned it all out. How many bays do you have? So we have six twin posts two drive-ons and a dyno in the back. 
And then the front, we have two flat spots, and we also have an ADOS machine. What's that? Oh, ADOS. So it's Advanced Driver Assist Systems. So you know all the like uh, adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitors, stuff like that? Right. All those things have to be calibrated after a collision event. So we have a machine that actually calibrates those, and you have these special targets depending on each manufacturer, and they have little lasers on there that are accurate within the millimeter and they have to be dead on the money. So you have to set everything up. Perfect. Put your targets out. That said, it's not that bad. It takes about two, three hours a car, depending unless it's something evil, but most of the time it's pretty quick. So that's a, that's a big investment to your shop. It is. But the thing is 2017 and up vehicles, a lot of them have these systems, man. It's just stuff that's coming down the pipe. And you just got to be ready for it. And it's hard. It's hard to be on top of the technology in this field because it's absurd and it's just gotten worse. And they just keep giving us like high school dropouts to train. <laughs> like <laughs> it, This is it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you just hit the nail right on the head. I mean, that's that's what we're getting now. So sure. that said, the one of the greatest things I've done is I've capitalized on that. I go out and I find these kids or they find me now, you know, they just come and apply. And I have an education program where I put them in as a loop tech. You start at the bottom. That's just how it works. That's the industry. And you get your feet wet. You learn how to change oil, you know, learn how to do the inspections because we have digital vehicle inspections because it's it's just a better way to do it. The yes. paper tickets is such a pain. Yeah. So you got to train them up and then get them on brakes, get them on suspension. And then when they're ready to like make that jump, and this is after usually a year, year and a half, then I put them to tech and I start them out at 22 an hour. That way they don't starve to death because they're not going to tag a ton of hours. Right. But I have people helping them out on the side a little bit to try to up their knowledge, get more on the job training and get a taste of the life at the same time without dying. Right. Because that's the thing about flat rate is it's amazing for people that are intelligent and fast. You get paid for efficiency. But if you're just developing those skills, if you're somebody fresh in, you know, and you're trying to teach everybody electrical and how to use an oscilloscope to check waveforms and all this complicated stuff, it's it's just overwhelming. So you got to you got to kind of get them on their feet and then launch them. Yep. So how many uh, technicians do you have at your shop right now? So currently, let's see, I got two A's, a B and a C, and then I got a Luby. Nice. So you said you had a dyno. Mm-hmm. And you also, I read on your website, you have a machine for porting cylinder heads and stuff like that, right? Uh, something like that. So uh, I'll start with a dyno. So the dyno is actually an all-wheel drive dyno jet. which is awesome. I love it. Uh, It's super fun to play with. I've been recently playing with HP tuner software and getting pretty good at like GMT 800s, like old square, you know, the the old Chevys, LS, the Gen 3 LS stuff. But uh, I'm just getting my feet wet and tuning. And so far it's going good. So I'm learning the little tricks and tips here and there. And I'm trying to build a little turbo Silverado so I can experiment with that because boost mapping is a lot different from mapping something for naturally aspirated. So yeah, you got to learn all the stuff. There's little, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a lot. Do you guys build cars there like performance cars? So we don't do full like chassis cars. Like if somebody came in there and was like, here's 120 grand, I need a full tube chassis. No, we can't. Yeah, we can't that, do that. that's totally different. That, that's, that's way out of our, yeah. yeah, that's, that's fab. That said, we have set up a few nice little cars that run around town. Uh, so we do build engines. My specialty is that I'm an engine builder from the School of Automotive Machinists. And so we have a lot of people that come through with 392s, 6270s. Just all sorts of stuff. And on top of that, I'm also a diesel nerd. I I'm, I love Duramaxes. And I know they're terrible, but I love them anyway. <laughs> it diesels, I work on fleet and big trucks and stuff like that. And these guys come in there with these dualies, these six, seven dualies. Mm-hmm. And you get in there, you start it up, and you take it on a test drive. And soon you just barely give it gas. And that thing is fucking moving, dude. Man, I got to tell you, the 6.7 is incredible. And the turbo that they have on there, 
really, really well. So the turbo is a great design in itself and it does lead to a quicker spool. But the biggest thing that's so great about the six, seven versus every other traditional, you know, V eight or whatever they've got out there, the cold side is where the exhaust is. So the hot side is incredibly short. You don't lose any exhaust energy. It spools the turbo up faster. It's hotter. It's great. Yeah. 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 But we then, uh, when they bring them in for warranty and they need a PCM update and we accidentally update their PCMs and the damn thing won't start. Cause they oh, got a tuner in them. man. So some of these tunes are ungodly expensive because we have to take the computers out. We have to mail them off, get them cracked, bring them back and yeah, go from there. To, our dealerships had to pay for a few of those. Oh God. That's, that's hurtful. Yeah. Well, it's a warranty recall, like a PCM update, you know? Oh, no, I totally understand. I wiped out a trans tune once and was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but so now we, te- we check them, and then if it has a tune in there, we tell them they got to take the tune out and then bring it in, if they even want it done. But as long right. as we have it all noted down, you know, it's on them. Yeah, no, I feel that. I, I remember working at a dealership, or I've, I've always been a GM dude. I'm not going to say what dealerships, but... <laughs> it's like, but no, it's, it's the same stuff. It doesn't matter where you go. You got to do updates and change stuff. And you're like, Oh, great. Yeah. Dealerships are a mess. Yeah. Well, so I think they're like kind of a mini vital role in a way, but overall there's a lot of things that just don't work. And I don't understand why. Uh, it's greed. I almost feel like it works like the government works. It does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> like we all mean well and yeah. it's all it's just a bunch of people like us and we mean well. But overall, yeah, we suck. We yeah. can't get the job done. <laughs> it's, it's exactly, man. It's a mini government. Ugh. There's too many people. <laughs> yeah, when you got three service managers, you know, Ugh. 20, you know, advisors and one director that just sits in his office and doesn't want to deal with anything. Yeah. Uh, that's why I like indies, man. It's, it's so easier, so much easier to run a small scale business like that. Like there's three service advisors up front and they all confer with each other and then come back to the back and talk to whoever this technician was on the ticket if they need a weird part or something. Cause like ordering parts is such a pain these days. So how, how does your parts department work? Do you have a department? Do you have a manager? Do you have, so I have a GM. And of course he does GM things. He's the manager. He does peripheral things. He's HR. He does guidance counseling for my guys. Like we go through uh, every, a thing every month or so where we're sit goal setting and, you know, just trying to do cool stuff. And I have yeah. a paid ASE program through the shop where if you get an ASE, I pay for you to take the test. And if you pass it, I give you 200 bucks because I just want you to get educated. That's more than the dealership gives. Oh shit. They got bonuses. Well, they don't, They'll pay for you to go take the test, but if you fail it, you got to pay them back. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. And if you pass it, hey, you pass it. That's it. Oh, wow. That's savage. Yeah, well, you know, enter the volcano. If you make it, congratulations. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's savage. It is. I, I just can't see doing that, though. Like, eh. You know, the, the, your shop sounds like it's a team. We ha- so we have a great vibe. Like that's the most important thing, and that's because I wrench. So I'm out there in the shop wrenching with them. I'm mopping the floor with them. I'm doing it with them. And if they need help, I'm helping them. Which I'm the not to toot my own horn, but I am the absolute master of extracting busted bolts. Really? Yeah. Like I'm a wizard with a welder, so I'll always extract them or build them up in the aluminum and then pull them out. Yeah, I, I suck at that. Oh man, you you see it so much. You just like resign yourself to learning the art because you just can't escape it. Yeah. Like at at the dealership, if you get a busted bolt, you'll weld on it. You'll try to get it out. If not, Hey, you need a cylinder head. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I've actually, I'm sure it's a little bit harder to sell a cylinder head than it is to, you know, try to fix it. Oh yeah. No, I actually, uh, I saw a case where a guy had a, it was a Toyota or a Honda or something and it had this one bolt tensioner and the bolt stripped out. Well, he took it to whatever dealer and they were like, oh, you need a new engine, bro. And he paid it. He just went and got a new engine. And then he called me and he was like, hey, man, um, have you seen this before? And I'm like, yeah, we just helicoil a man. It's like 300 bucks. Bring it on over. 
So, so it's like, uh, you know, whatever. I, I mean, it's your money. Spend it how you want. But yeah, we had a customer car come in at my first dealership and the crank pulley bolt broke off in the crank. Ooh. And we told him, you know, we can try to get it out, but we might bust the crank. Well, I didn't tell him this. Another tech told him we can try to get it out and it'll bust the crank. It might bust the crank. So you might need a, you know, basically need a new engine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And he's like, I'll give you two grand for the car. <laughs> he bought the car off him. Didn't even take it off the lift, got the bolt out, fixed the nice. car and fucking sold it for like six. Jeez, that's a sweet setup. Yeah. I've actually saved a lot of crank bolts because nobody wants to buy a crankshaft and no. nobody wants to tear apart an engine to replace a crank. Like, yeah, just a crankshaft. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's gross. Yeah. That's just, that's just go to the junkyard, dude. Yeah. You know. It's like, oh, we just got to pull the trans apart to replace like the three, four apply piston. Uh, yeah. That's at the back of the trans, bro. It's in the back of the case. Like, no, just throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys rebuild transmissions and stuff like that? Nah, but I'm a, I practice the dark magic. Um, I started with the 4L60s, moved my way to the 4L80s, TH350s and 400s. I'm an amateur. Uh, that said, I don't offer the service to the public because although... I've never had one die. I know it's coming. Yeah, right? Yeah, so I don't want to give it to a customer and be like, I did this. It's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, so you're the owner. Right. How does this work? If you work on a car mm-hmm. and something, say you did do a transmission and it does come back and so mm-hmm. it's internally damaged, mm-hmm. how do you warranty that? How do you, do you, so that's something you guys did. Right. So let's say I was stupid enough to build a 4L60 and I put it in a customer car, gave it to them. They got three months on it and it's got shifting problems. You got some glitter in the pan, whatever. Uh, that's just on me. We just have to eat it. So, I mean, there's nothing else you can do about it, man. That sucks, man. It does, but it doesn't, stuff like that doesn't really happen a lot. Like it'll happen once every six months or at least once a year. Like that's coming. Right. But uh, no, it's not, it's not a terribly often thing. Like we don't, we don't screw stuff up like that. And if we did, we would never let it leave. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have a shop foreman and he's basically our QA slash part checker slash, oh, Hey, please help this technician. He needs some help, whatever. And he QAs all the cars once they come out. So he'll check the work, make sure the fluids are right. Make sure everything's good. It's clean. Like, if we didn't use enough brake clean to rinse off whatever res, you know, residue, he'll make sure that it's clean and everything's good. Uh, air up the tires and kick it out. Nice. So we have a good QA process, and he he's been practicing the dark arts for a long time too. So <laughs> so he uh, he's good at test driving things and knowing like, hey, did you catch this on the inspection? No, idiot. So he does that to every car that leaves. Yes, every car gets rolled. That's nice. That's that's really good. Well, you have to, man, because uh, the the one the, the messed up thing about this industry, you could do nine hundred cars perfect and have people love you, and then screw up one car, just one, and that hateful Google review. It oh man, it's just savage. Yeah, that see that's what I don't get about dealerships is. They don't have that. They don't have a quality control guy. It's yeah. Every there's well, thirty technicians in there, and they're not all good. They're no, most, not most, but at least you know five of them are hacks. Some oh, of them don't least. even do the services. <laughs> no, they just sign the warranty paperwork, and they're like, "Yeah, I did it." Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, that's and they always say, you know, we're a team, we're a team, we're a team, and no, nah. nah, your shop sounds like a team, not not a big major corporation. There's no team nah. in there. We have a whopping 11 employees total. That's all you need, man. You Honestly. Control. Yeah. I was like, we got, and the great thing is like, we don't have to fight each other for bays. Like, I don't know if you've ever been at a place where like you had a certain number of bays, like you had this bay and you had like maybe another bay and you had to fight a tech for that other bay when you could. Oh yeah. We got techs that just run up and take a bay and pull a transmission out and leave it there for a week. Oh, bro, you get slapped down for that. Yeah, you should be. It should. That should be a punishable <laughs> offense. That's 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 illegal. 
Yeah, we all got two bays, so there's always that one guy that has to tear apart three or four cars at a time. Oh, God. They'll come up and take some new guy's bay, and they're like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> it's like, can I help you? Yeah, and then the fights start happening, you know? Right. Uh, this yeah. guy makes all the hours, so he can do it. That's what the right. boss says. That's all they care uh, about is how many hours you make. Uh, so my so my A's, they're on salary. And the nice. reason they're on – yeah, the reason they're on salary is because – they would strangle my low guys. Like they're way better, obviously. Right. And we don't have a favoritism thing. Like I just toss out the work. Like, are you doing anything? Cool. Here you go. What about you? There you go. Here you go. So that said, having the two top guys on salary is wonderful because they can step away from a job to go help a flag tech and be like, Hey man, what are you doing? You can't drive a seal by yourself. Seriously. Stop being a bitch and then yeah. show them how to do it. You know, you got to instruct a little bit. You got to heckle them a little bit. It's just oh, the yeah. life. That's but, I, mean, uh, I was brought up like that big time. Yeah. No, it's just a healthy, it healthy is. way of doing it. Yeah. But everybody's got a good vibe to it. And yeah, I think, I think salary is the way for some stuff like that. I think that's how you cure some problems. Cause if you had everybody flat rate, it turns into a cutthroat work environment. Yes. Like, it just doesn't work. I've been flat rate my whole time, the whole time of 21 years. And uh, I, I, don't, I could never go back to or go to hourly. There's just no way. No. So if I was to reenter the workforce and I'm just, you know, whatever, I would never, never go for salary because I know I can make way more. Way more. Flat rate. Like all you got to do is negotiate. Like it's not going to kill a dealership to be like, Oh, bro, we already pay you 22 an hour. My dude, you could pay me 35 an hour and it wouldn't impact your bottom line. Not by any significant margins. Like, not really. Yep. Yeah, the masters at our shop are at like 50 bucks an hour right now. Ooh. Yeah, they're cranking out hours too. That's wild. And the dealership's just like, make as much money as you can. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Oh, wow. They're yeah. just like, here you go, man. Here's the work. Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, we get... Every day I get like five, six, seven tickets at a time. Every day. Nice. Yeah. So it feels like Wolf of Wall Street atmosphere almost. It's like, you got child support to pay? Good. Pick up a wrench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the other dealerships I worked at were not as good as the one I'm at now. Mm -hmm. You know, making way more money. And I was with Honda for 17 years and now I'm at Ford and I'm making uh, way more money. I've always wondered what. Honda or Toyota dealerships are like because they don't fail a lot. Well, they don't, but when they do, there's just like barely any diagnosing. So if your transmission is slipping, you scan it for the codes, it's got an internal, you know, torque converter issue or something like that. You put a transmission in it. You just put the whole unit in. Right. You don't tear anything down. You don't do anything. So yeah, like... The biggest job I've done at Honda was piston ring recalls where you had to pull out pistons and re-ring them. Right. That's it. Which which is stupid, but... It, 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 yeah, and you're only doing three of them, sometimes four of them, and it's a six-cylinder. <laughs> but... That's wild. That's like the biggest job I've done there. I was going to say Chevy, back, or, uh, back when I worked at GM stuff... Uh, they had a problem with the LSs at some point where you had to pull out the rods and pistons and they had loaded assemblies, but you still had to pull the heads, do everything else. And I leave the block in the car. Right. Cause you just spin the crank over. You're good. No big deal. Swap them all out. You can do it in about a day and a half, but the warranty pay was like 20 hours or 22 hours. But if it was like regular pay, it was like 34 hours. Yeah. Yeah, but you'd never, ever get a regular pay job. Nobody would do that. No, they just fucking sell the car. Yeah, like, <laughs> nope, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. the difference between warranty pay and customer pay, it's twice as much. Oh, absolutely. And they're like, oh, well, you know, sorry, I guess you just get robbed. They're like, what? Why? Yeah, that that's the bad part. One of the bad parts about dealership is the warranty work. And like the updates, like the one I was telling you about, you're updating a six seven, the PCM update, mm -hmm. pays you point four, but you're out. It doesn't tell you you have to update seventeen other modules, so it takes like forty five minutes. 
Yeah. And then, it, so we used to get the same thing. And basically you would like, you'd be like, Hey, we need that done today. You'd be like, yeah, okay. So you'd click start, then come back in 45 minutes and click through another prompt, click through another prompt. And you just kind of get through the prompts as you go through the day. Yeah. Well, this one, you got to turn the key on, key off, key on, key off, key on, key off. Like, oh, so you can't even sucks. walk away from the fucking truck. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, of course. But I tried, that took forever to actually program into my guys. I'm like, hey, man, when you're programming, the battery charger has to be on the car. No excuses. I'm not dealing with a reflash PCM dropout or any, like, just just do it. Yeah. So. Uh, you Do you, uh, at your shop, do you provide battery chargers, uh, jacks, like hand jacks in you know, AC machines, you provide all that for everybody. They just bring their toolbox and tools, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, we've got an R134 and a 1234 YF machine. Uh, oh. they're both, they're brand new Robinairs. No, it's not, it's not that bad. No, that machine sucks, man. Oh, I know. It was like six uh, grand. It was yeah. like six grand too. And, and I'm like, and it, it, it broke like a month after the warranty. Yeah. And it takes forever to recover anything. Oh, so that's the one thing that I've discovered I hate about the new machines. They're too complicated. Like, I like the old stuff because I could suck a system down, quick vacuum, blow it back up, throw some dye in it, finally get my diag, kick it, ticket. It. Now it's like waiting for vacuum. Five minutes. And you're like, warming bro. Up. Yeah, it's warming up. Oh, you got to purge. Yeah, Hold on. Yeah. Oh well, my god. And then with at the dealerships you got to print out all the printouts. The uh, you know the vacuum or how much you recovered, how much you charge, snapshot. I mean, we, we just go on the tab because we have like uh Samsung Galaxy tablets. Right. And we have uh I don't know what's on there. But anyway, we put in however much we put in for refrigerant that goes back to the front. They just add it to the ticket. Customer pays for the refrigerant as is. And that shit is expensive. Dude, 1234YF is obnoxiously expensive. Like, I've had customers be like, why is this like eight times the normal price? And I'm like, because the refrigerant is eight times the normal price. <laughs> it, it's incredibly expensive stuff. Yeah. It's, and it, isn't it, they developed it to be less flammable? Uh, but it's I'll be not. honest with you. I, it's way more flammable. I think it was made to replace uh, 134A because it was less harmful to the environment, perhaps. I don't know. It's a money grab. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's the same shit. <laughs> yeah. They're like, have you tried this new refrigerant that's way more expensive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't actually cool as good as 134, by the way. No, it doesn't. No. Not at all. No. No. So that's unfortunate. I miss the old R12 stuff. Like, oh, man, it was so cold. Yeah. I remember doing all the transfers where, or the like exchanges where you change it over to 134. Man, those are rough times. Yeah. Well, I remember putting air conditioning in Honda Civics. Oh, God. In Florida. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I used to sell them without them. Yeah. Yeah. Why? We're like, why would you do that? Let's put these in and get paid eight hours. Right? <laughs> one oh, guy does man. the outside, the other one does the inside, and you split the time. So I actually had a stupid Toyota Camry come in. It was a hybrid and this thing had like 90,000 miles on it. It needed a new uh, evaporator core in the dash, bro. That is a hateful job. Yeah. It pays like 12 or 13 hours. It's pretty hateful though. Yeah. Pulling them big ass dashboards out, man. And they're always sticky. Yeah. Right. The center console. When you go, the center console is the worst thing ever to take out of somebody's car. Oh, oh, bro. Absolutely. You're going to catch something. Yeah. You, you think COVID's bad, dude. You're catching AIDS. You're catching everything from these people's cars. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you've got a solid case of Herpagonocephalades after yeah. any. Yeah. No, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. They think you're trying to not get their car dirty when they bring it in. It's got fucking syrup all in the shifter, you know? Oh, dude. <laughs> I, I've had people bring in cars with trash and um, yeah, no. Like, I, I won't let my techs work on it. I actually, in the cases where I will allow the car, I just go clean it out myself. Because I'm like, bro, nah. Once I got it cleaned out, then I'll kick it to my techs and be like, here you go, man. Sorry about the smell. I put the ozone generator in it for like 45 minutes. Eh. Yeah. yeah like, I get, try. Yeah. We get trucks that'll come in, you know, like lawn care services are the worst. Oh, they bro. Come in with roaches <laughs> everywhere. And you go out to the 
to the lot and you open the door and there's roaches crawling on the seat, the steering wheel, and I just close it. I say, I'm not oh, getting in this fucking oh, car. If whoa. that shit crawls on me when I'm driving it, I'm crashing, dude. No, I, I thought you meant like they just smoke a lot of weed. I'm like, well, that's, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's I'm, every day. I'm not going to worry about that. Like, no. just push it out of the way. But no, actual creatures? No, nah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm not yeah. about it. I'm, yeah, my, I'm out. My buddy was on TV for pulling a live snake out of somebody's dashboard. <laughs> nice. It was the yeah. customer's pet, but it got lost inside. It was like a python or some shit. The fucking TV crew was there filming them. Yanking it out of there. Little did they know the guy was probably drunk when he was doing it at work. Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, nobody. So thank God. I told everybody I was like, when you when I hire you, and of course the culture, we all know. Like, I don't care what you do off work because I'm like pro choice. Do whatever you want. Like, right. I'm a libertarian or whatever. I don't know. But just do what you want. Just so long as it doesn't affect you in a negative way. And it doesn't affect your job performance. So don't come to work on anything ever. Yeah, exactly. And don't wreck anything. Cause if you have to, if you wreck something, I got to drug test you. And then I got to explain to my insurance company. So uh, just don't. So what would happen if that, if somebody did hit something and they were, they did test positive, who would you make that guy pay or does your insurance just pay for it? And then I'm uh, pretty sure my insurance just pays for it. And then I just have to deal with paying a higher premium or whatnot. Oh. But Let's just say like if one of my dudes slapped up a car and I know he's sober, but he takes a drug test and it's like, uh, there's some weed and maybe some other crap in his system. It's like, yeah, this didn't have anything to do with the wreck. Like this is his not here life because people have lives outside of work. Yeah. So I I would just be like, nah, it's fine. Like unless I don't know Unless he's out in the back parking lot fucking doing donuts. Oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, there's there's limits to it. It's like, hey, man, like drive it like it's yours. But if you drive like an asshole, drive it like it's somebody else's you care about. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't do that shit. If he backs up and bumps into something, cracks a taillight, that's a different story. Uh, that's happened. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah, it's like, great. There goes 600 bucks. Yeah. And that comes right out of your pocket, doesn't it? As the owner? It does. It happens. But that's why it's nice that you're the owner and you're there every day. Yeah. Well, I'm not there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you and be like, I'm there every day. I'm there most days. Well, yeah, you gotta go shoot guns <laughs> and play golf or whatever, right? Right? I got a fifty cal, like I gotta use this thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So McMillan Tac fifty uh picked it up last year before the pandemic and man. That thing has skyrocketed in value. Oh, dude, there's nothing better to buy than guns right now. Yeah, like you know? nobody's the best thing is walking into Academy and all these guys are like crying over the lack of ammo. And you're like, oh, there's tons of 50 BMG. <laughs> you just throw it in your car and you're just walking through like, have a great day, guys. I just spent 10 grand on 500 rounds. Oh, <laughs> almost. It's, it's not that bad, but it's like four dollars a shot. It's pretty rough. My 308 is $1.75 a shot, and I thought that was expensive. Oh, man. Do you reload? I had all the stuff, and it was I got it from my uncle, mm -hmm. and it was so old. I tried it because I used to do pistol USPSA. Nice. And uh, I tried reloading. I don't have the patience for it. My dad tried doing it. I shot a fucking match with <sighs> his reloads, and it wouldn't even cycle the gun. And I was oh. afraid that one of them was still in the chamber. Oh, so that no. was a whole day wasted. So I gave it all away. Oh man, I that totally was, understand. That was pretty stupid though, because it's probably worth a fortune. But oh my god, now it is. So well, I reload. Do you? Yeah my my uh, my favorite one to shoot is actually a seven rim mag. Okay. I'm pushing 162 grain Amax at 3120 out of the barrel, and it's incredibly accurate. It's my favorite one to play with. So you got a 50. And yeah. What? What kind of range do you go out to? Uh, I go out to private land because this is Texas. Uh, I don't think we have any ranges that go to like 2,000, 3,000 yards. So you're shooting that far? Uh, no. My furthest shot is right at 2,200, and that's with my 408 Shaytac. And that's pretty easy with a Shaytac, to be honest with you. That's not a like, oh, my God, that's a laser beam of a bullet that stays supersonic to like 2,300, 2,500. Yeah. So it's pretty point and shoot like you range it you get out your uh dope chart bullet flight 
or whatever you're using and you just punch in the numbers, you have a Kestrel or I have a Kestrel for uh, weather and wind. So nice. you just input those factors and you'll be within a foot, wow. which doesn't sound impressive, but it's incredibly no, that's, impressive. That's, yeah. 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 The farthest range I've been to where I'm at is a uh, 650. And that's a nice piece. I hit a, I think it was a 10 inch plate with my 308 and body size target. I can just blast all day at that far. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's nothing special. It's just a, it's a savage, uh, HS stock on it in the vortex scope. Man, I like vortex. Yeah, dude, I'm wearing their jacket right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sponsor me vortex. (laughs) Right. It's like, if you could send us like, I'm a veteran, like send some free merch. That'd be dope. Send you some free merch. I'm not a veteran. (laughs) Nah, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a scope. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Actually half of my scopes are vortex. The other half are night force. Damn. Yeah, which the night forces, man, that's, you know, you're saving up for those. Yeah, you're, I mean, that's more than the damn rifle. I know. Like two times. Yeah, that's worth it. Not the 50, though. But you got to have something like that for oh, a attack or a 50 cal. Oh, absolutely. Anything else? I mean, a vortex, the high dollar vortex, vortex will work, but why not just go night force? Exactly. You know, that thing you know is going to work. Yeah. No, all the bougie guns, they all have night forces. No offense, yeah. Vortex. I love you guys. Yeah. Um, but oh, like, <laughs> but all the uh, all the other stuff, like 300 Blackout and 308 and AK, just, or not the AK, but uh, just random stuff. That just has the uh, Vortex stuff on it. And it's great. Yeah, yeah. I love mine. Mine's a 6 to 24. I don't know the model number. I think that's what mine is, but it's a Viper PST or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the same one I got. Yeah. Now they made a bunch of them and they're cheap and they're yeah. awesome. <laughs> they, they last. It holds nah. zero. So the seven rim, which is my workhorse rifle, I actually uh, made a oops and bumped the crap out of that night force scope. Like it's got a nice dent in it. And I checked zero. Didn't even move it, dude. Yeah. Didn't even change anything. Didn't affect anything. Fucking American made, man. That's the shit right there. I wanted man, we- a night force, but I could not. My credit limit wasn't high enough, dude. <laughs> You're like, my credit... See, the way my credit works is... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I couldn't... I couldn't... It's just, like I said, it's just a Savage 308. It's not a fucking Shaytac. It's not a 50 No, but It's not a, it, you know... It, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you're out there shooting, I, I think the biggest thing, misconception with that is you have to have all this money to buy this incredible rig. I've seen people show up with the most garbage looking rifles I've ever seen, but they had 8 million years of practice under it and they were good. Oh yeah. That's all that counts. Dude, I'm way better with iron sights than I am with a scope. Oh man. I, I I'm way better with a scope. Yeah. But oh, really? I love irons. I love irons. Yeah. Like I'm good with an iron to about 250. After that, it's going to be pow, pow hit. Yeah. I My next gun I want to get, I know now we're turning into a gun podcast, but. Whatever. <laughs> we do whatever we want. It's <laughs> uh, part for the course, like mechanics, guns, yeah, whatever. Race cars. I don't have one anymore, but oh man, I used to have a race car. Holy crap, that's the best waste of money ever. It is, dude. I've had a few of them, and it's... I think I, I think I'd have an easy hundred fifty grand in my hand. Oh yeah, if I just had not bought one car. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have a bankruptcy on my fucking rap Ooh. sheet. Harsh. Have my own shop and build race cars. And Man, I'm 35 and I don't have any bankruptcies and my credit's clean. Good. Not amazing. Well, well <laughs> I'm 39 and my credit's fucking really good. Nice. Yeah, I got you know house and cars and all that shit. But you know that was never... years ago when I claimed the bankruptcy. Those credit uh, cards, man. Oh, bro. I so I grew up poor and I didn't have any idea about financial literacy or like responsibility. So like I lie on an application at seventeen, get a four wheeler, got a yeah. cell phone, and all That's this how crap. I got my first credit yeah, card. <laughs> yeah. So I completely destroyed my credit before I was like twenty one. Yeah. You know what yeah. I bought when I got my? Uh, I think it was I got a ten thousand dollar credit card when <laughs> I was eighteen. You know what I went and bought? I bought a fucking motorcycle. Nice. I didn't even know how to ride it. So I, I bought an R6 and actually it wasn't an R6, it was an FZ6. The guy wouldn't sell me the R1. He was like, you won't make the first payment. <laughs> He's right. You ever right. an R1? Man, so I actually just sold an R1 about 
two years ago. I uh, took it in from a trade of a friend of mine who I actually sold a Chevy square body to. And he's a cool dude. Every vehicle he owns, like every picture he takes right now looks like it's from 1994. Nice. Good old. Like he's just that guy. He's got the mullet, <laughs> like pit vipers, just rocking. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so this thing had been jet, like somebody had gone through, it was a 2006. Somebody had gone through and like bored and stroked this thing and done all this stupid shit to it. And I go out there and ride it because I have a death wish, I guess. Yep. And oh my God, this thing is insane. You could tap it, fifth gear going 180, and just it just keeps going. Yeah. Like it literally felt squirrely, like it spun the tire. And I was like, no, no way. I rode, I had a 600 F3, the CBR, mm-hmm. and my buddy bought an R1. And I was like, let me ride it. I wanted an RC51, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he had the R1 and I was like, let me ride. He's like, all right, I jump on that bitch. I couldn't keep the front wheel down. Dude, there's any they, gear it would just come right up. It's uncanny, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like you're on top of this bike and my bike. You felt like you were part of it, but the R1, I just felt like I was like on top and it was just trying to fucking throw me off every time I gave it gas. That's to say it felt like a rodeo. Yeah. It wasn't enjoyable to drive. No. So I got rid of it. They look cool as shit, but... Oh, my God, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, owning a Ferrari or like a McLaren or some like high-end supercar. It's like, oh, man, this is amazing. But then like behind the curtain is like, this car will cost you half a million dollars of maintenance over the next five years. Yeah, one oil change, $6,000. <laughs> I thought the oil changes were like twenty three grand or something on a Bugatti, like a Veyron. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, if you can wild. afford that car, you... That's a thing, man. Go back to customers. I get customers that come in there with lifted F250s, big, you know, 24-inch deep dish wheels, big monster truck tires on them and shit. You know, they got all the lights and all the bars and whistles and all that shit. Yet, when their tires are worn out, they don't replace them. What is the deal with that? What's even? You you got this $150,000 truck, but you can't afford to maintain it. I was going to say, yeah, we typically see that with like Mercedes and BMW. Yeah. Like they'll bring it in and you'll be like, hey, man, you need like uh, coil packs for your V12. All right, cool. How much? Uh, It's like seven grand. (laughs) And they have a seizure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I don't I don't make these parts, man. Trust me. Like I wouldn't be here. (laughs) That's that's. I don't know why people do that, man. It's like, the you know big wheels on a car but the car don't run it sits in the driveway Eh. you got big shiny wheels on it you know people got different priorities i guess like dave Chappelle said people fuck funny (laughs) dave Chappelle's a shit i love him man he's he's a good dude never met him but i love his material yeah what about chris d'elia you like chris d'elia ah you gotta hit me with some i gotta refresh my memory on that well he got in some trouble earlier but uh is he a comedian or an actor yeah he's a, he's a comedian and an actor well was an actor he got canceled. what was he on uh i don't know i just know his comedy and he's got a podcast uh it's called congratulations chris D'Elia. Hmm, he's funny nah. as shit man i have to check into it yeah. i listen to a lot of joe rogan oh okay didn't you listen to fighter and the kid uh no i don't have enough time to do all that <laughs> no, that's I all like, i do at work I was like, I listened to you and Joe and a couple others, but I don't have a lot of spare time. Yeah, you got fucking 50 cows and Shaytax to shoot. Ugh, no, I'm most of the time at work, man. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. It's like, uh, like, so right now we need like one more service rider that can order parts, that's good at ordering parts, that's proficient in parts, or just a part manager and I'll just make a position and like one more tech who's like A or B, A be better, like somebody that's hungry. Yeah. But the thing is, like right now, if I was going to kick my top tech over, I'd only pay him like 40 to 45 an hour, like 50 an hour. That's wild. That's big money. Big money that's, corporation. That's, yeah. I was like, that must be corporate money, man. I can't like 40 bucks an hour. I thought was like God money. What's your labor rate for customers? Uh, if you want to say, I mean, you don't have to say uh it's it's fine i think it's 135 an hour i believe we're about to raise it because of inflation you have uh, to yeah. i know we we have to but 135 we're right. is really good though that's really yeah good. it's like it's, it's not bad no 
No, I remember when I started, it was like 89 bucks, but that was like oh, 2000. Dude, I used to work at a place back in the like late 2010s that was like 78 an hour. And I'm like, how the hell does this place survive? Yeah. Ours is 199. Holy shit. And RVs is 220 or Woo! 250 or something like that. That's that dealership hike, man. That's You can get it. Yeah. And you're doing fleet too. But they give well, a lot of to these fleet companies so they bring in so many trucks you know they cut the oh yeah labor down so man it's crazy being in an independent world because if you look at somebody and you're like yeah we're 190 an hour they'd be like bye yeah like they don't think they're we're worth the same money as these other people even though we do a way better job yeah oh yeah yeah because you it's a team you guys <laughs> q a or you know quality control and stuff like that Right. I mean, we occasionally screw up. It's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we had one that bit us uh, recently. So it had a, I think it was a Chevy Cruze or something like that. So it has two coolant temp sensors on it. And it came in overheating. We replaced the thermostat, checked everything, and it would still overheat, but you could touch it and it would be cold. We're like, all right, obviously. Da, 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 da. So we sweep test it and we're like, no, the sensor's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Well, there's a second sensor that provides feedback that you're not aware of. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that little guy had shorted to itself, so it would just very wildly kick the fans on and off, just do all sorts of weird shit. That and sucks. whenever we did the repair, it ran and drove perfect. We're like, sweet. Gave it back to the customer. Comes back Monday. Mad, of course. And so... We check it over and I'm like, I don't understand. Like it's burped. It's not overheating. Why does it think it's overheating? So we track the circuit, find the second sensor. Uh, it's melted to itself. There you go. So occasional screw ups do happen, but it's nothing ever like uh, catastrophic goofs. Right. Yeah. Do you guys use like all data and stuff like that? Uh, we got Mitchell one and uh, what's the other one? Identifix. Oh, yeah. But we don't use Identifix much. And the reason we don't use it very much is that I hate silver bullet techs. So I don't let them use it until, like, for that function. Like, I need you to troubleshoot it. I need you to use your brain in the scientific process. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't just give them the silver bullet fix. It's like, 17 people replaced this throttle body. <laughs> Needs a throttle body. So then they're like, fire the pots, cannon! <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, oh, I don't want that. So I try that's, not to let them use that one too much. That's that dealership warranty times. <laughs> you skip that pinpoint test, see what it says to replace, replace that. And then if it comes back, ah, then I'll do the diag. <laughs> you know? Jesus. Yeah. That's, no, what, that's that, what they do. That's what I do. I was like, that's what we can't afford to do that stuff in my, like, in indie field, man. Oh, no, my God. No. We get murdered. Yeah. A lot like, of the stuff, though, like, because you guys work on everything, right? Yeah, we do, which is wild. Um, and I never thought I would own a shop that works on everything. But yeah. we literally work on everything except all electrics like Tesla or yeah. any low pressure gas weird stuff. Like, we don't do that. But if it's diesel or gas or it's just a hybrid, we'll mess with it. But if it's a Saab, no. <laughs> Those things still around? We had, a, we had a Saab come in the other day, which we had to get a throttle body for. Well, um, I think one existed in like the nether regions of some man's closet in like Norway. <laughs> and so we got one and it took like two weeks to get here, three weeks to get here. We finally got it and it's the right guy. So we got him out the door and I was like, hey, by the way, unless something like just please, we, we love you and don't take this the wrong way. But like we can't work on this thing yeah, unless you need tires. We don't want to do anything else. Oh, we don't do tires. Oh, you don't do tires? No, nah, man. We got like 80 discount tires. It's like this like tire conglomerate. So it's impossible to compete with them. So I just don't. I don't blame you. It's, <laughs> it's there's like, no money in it. No, and the insurance liability is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, you like do, people. Do you do alignments? We do. You got an alignment machine that's with all the lasers and all that fancy shit. You oh, hell yeah, thousands, dude. We got thousands of dollars on. Yeah, it was like fifty three grand. It's holy uh, shit. That's how much I know that fifty cal's worth. <laughs> no, that that fifty cal. I got it. So actually, the fifty cal is kind of a sad story. There was this guy who passed away. He was a marine, 
And his family was like, oh, he has a bunch of guns and we hate guns. So they just took all his shit and shoved it to like local gun uh, places and they just brokered him out. And a friend called me and was like, hey, man, I got some stuff I think you'd be interested in. I was like, all right, you know, so I'm walking in there not expecting to drop like seven grand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had a Shaytac and a 50 cal and all this cool shit and like tons of calories. Like this guy was a shootist. Like I consider myself a shooter. This man was a shootist. Like he's that guy. Wow. So that said, I picked up his uh, McMillan TAC 50 and his 408 Shaytac. And couldn't be happier. They've got a great home with me and I'll keep his, I'll keep his spirit alive. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's fucking awesome. So I Sad can't believe it's funny, but Sad, I know it's just tragic. Yeah. Wow. Dang. But anyway, I got two guns with night four scopes for. Holy shit, dude. They're yeah. worth, they're worth three times that much. Oh my God. Easily. Like, it's just dumb. Yeah. I, I was like, I got a credit card real quick on that deal. That's kind of what happened. I, uh, <laughs> I, I walked in and I was like, Oh, can I just like, I was like thinking about it. Like, okay, I got this much in the safe. I'm like, <laughs> can I pay with this credit card a little bit? Is yeah, that cool? Right. Yeah. And they're flexible. So thank God. Damn. Actually straight up. Uh, I bought the first gun and was like, let me lay away the second one and came back for it like a week later. Once I had some more cash. Yeah. Cause credit card. Just didn't have enough. Yep. That's that's fucking crazy. <laughs> no. I love I love I'm a shit boxer. Like uh I have several vehicles. I love finding, driving, fixing up old stuff, enjoying it for a little bit, and get rid of it. Yeah, I get like it. I, I probably own like hundred and fifty vehicles, two hundred vehicles in my life. Wow. A lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I have a Jurassic Park Jeep somewhere running around Texas. God bless its soul. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah, I took a 96 or I think it was a 97 Jeep Grand Cherokee with the V8 and painted it like Jurassic Park. And it looked awesome. Yeah. Which everybody was like, well, it was an Explorer in Jurassic Park, bro. And I'm like, look, I understand that it was a Ford Explorer. And that's why Jurassic Park happened. Because if they had had all Jeeps, that wouldn't have happened. The movie wouldn't have happened. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked really good like yellow wheels and all the stuff like it was it was really cool and i ended up selling it to help fund the business stuff because oh man it's expensive to start a business yeah i can only imagine that you got to have insurance like you're gonna get a lawsuit at some point from somewhere it just is a thing do you have to have lawyers on standby no uh thankfully no you don't really have to worry i mean it's probably not a bad idea if you did. Like if you're going to start your own stuff and go on your own and you think like, yeah, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go on my own. Bro, it's a lot of work. Do you uh, listen to the ASOG podcast? Mm-mm. What's that? It's Auto Shops Owners Group podcast. It's these guys that own their own shops and mm. they do. It's a really good podcast. You should listen to it. I have to check into that, man. I I'll be I honest, was on man. their podcast, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, and they asked me to come on there because I on one of my episodes, I just fucking ramble, dude. <laughs> you know, I just get on here and bitch and whatever, and I don't know, it's fun for me. But uh, yeah. they sent me an email and had me come on because I said something about starting your own shop, and I had no mm. idea how to do it. So I went on their podcast, and they basically told me, don't do it. Uh, you know I just- what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I feel that because I understand, like, looking back, man, I could have done anything else and made more money at it. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, it does. Perfect sense. You could, you could, instead of investing half a million dollars to buy all this really nice equipment and do this stuff and learn this stuff and then try to train people who don't know anything how to do it and find people that are talented enough to, like, join your team, make a team, do all this stuff. That's two years of, like, you ever seen that TikTok or whatever? It's like... I got tired of working for the boss. So now I work for myself and I just work 24 hours a day. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. It's that. So <laughs> you, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to do this and that. Well, now you're doing this. Like you, you've just traded one thing for another, but it's worse. And now your ass is hanging out there because if you don't succeed, like 90% of small businesses or whatever, and like there's a pandemic going on and the stock market's crashing, whatever. Um, 
it's all you. It's just you. Yeah. If you die, you die, man. The the dick of capitalism swings both directions. Yeah. That's like, scary. You, yeah. Like you could die. So, I mean, like financially. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's, it's rough, man. If, if you, uh, if you don't know your markets, I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people underestimate the market. Like they open this shop and they're like, man, there's all these people. Where, how do you get a, how are you going to reach them? Yeah. You have a marketing team in place. Do you have any idea? Like, What's going on with that market most, research? Traffic most technicians flow? like me, like I don't want to start my own shop. I don't even want to do this shit anymore. I got about <laughs> four years left and then all my bills will be paid off and I'm going to do something else. Hopefully. Nice. You know, but what? technicians like me, you know, we sit there and we're working in a dealership and it's like, they're making $200 an hour off me and I'm only getting 35 or 25, whatever. I could do this in my garage. I got friends and then they get friends and work in their own garage and, think they're going to make all this money and then they're like i'll just open my own shop i think that's how they all start usually right i think the one thing that is a misconception with that is like oh you know i can just do this and live bro it's a one-man army you are the parts director you have to get all the stuff you have to confer with the customer you have to make sure everything goes right do your job right and that beats on your mind your body everything yeah and you're liable for every wrench you or every bolt you tighten on that car absolutely like you're i think that's a a worse idea and that said i did it for like five years because i couldn't find a job around town because somebody had made a phone call and literally blacklisted me jesus yeah petty shit oh yeah always is i was like when you leave shop sometimes man mm. yeah they're they're (laughs) we can go on about that oh dude i've worked for some tyrants yeah, I bet they're out there. There's also they're some good there. shops. No, there's good shops. I like, say that. <laughs> I exist. So, yeah, like, exactly. there it is. Yeah, yours at least sounds one. great. I was like, at least, well, by the way, something I know you'll love. We don't work Saturdays. Nice. Actually, on Saturdays and Sundays, um, typically we come to the shop and just goof off because the one thing that I always hated about working at a dealership, you all your tools are at work. If I need to fix my old lady's car or whatever, uh, I need my tools yeah. and I'm, I'm tired of throwing and guessing what tools I'm going to need into a bag and then take them home and realize halfway through a job, I need something I don't have. Like yeah, and you're laying dude. on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's so stands it's, and you got jack lifts at work. You know? Yeah. We, we have like brand new challenger lifts at work. Like screw that. So on the weekends we're open, like the guys can come in, you can play on the dyno, you can wrench on your own shit, whatever you're doing. That's awesome. Do and my guys love- take heavy advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, I bet. They love it. It sounds like a badass shop and with a dyno and all that stuff. How could yeah. you not? You know? Right. Actually, so we just hired a new girl up front. Her name is uh whatever. And she's a shit boxer. She has like five or six cars and like one of them's like a little Miata, super cute. And I was she was like, I want to get it on the dyno. And I'm like, Yeah, 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 we'll get it on the dyno. Like, calm down. All 120 horsepower, or whatever, you know. <laughs> And uh, I was like, what do you, what do you do to it? And she's like, oh, you know, just small upgrades. And I'm like, all right, you a lie. <laughs> it's like, why you got to lie like that? Yeah. So I put it on the dyno and it pumps out like 180 something, which is really impressive for a little Miata from like yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah. Like that whoops. A but um, yeah, it's a go-kart. So that said, like, yeah, it, it's just fun to goof around and talk shit to each other and be like, oh, how much horsepower do you think your truck's going to make? Oh, wow. 280. Do you have dyno days and let people come in and run we the cars do on it? so twice a year, and I think we may skim it down to once a year because man, it's a lot of work I to bet. hold an event that size. I bet. Uh, the last time we did it, we did a car show with it, and it was hugely successful. Everybody loved it. We had this uh, a couple people show up with uh, diesels and ghetto fog on the dyno, making like eight eighty six, and then we had a big boy come in with a big, big old Cummins. And he made like 1,400 something rural horsepower. And then we had a red eye challenger come put like 13 something. Damn. So there's some big old swinging boys around, but uh, not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of money, man. Oh my God. I know. That's crazy money. Yeah. Those those diesels, when they blow up too, man, I've seen the videos. What a mess. (laughs) You ever had one blow up on on your dyno? shit no that would no, suck I, that would suck so the thing is um there's electronics mine's in the pit 
I actually specially designed the building, so I specially designed the pit that it goes in. So instead of having it above ground, we got a pit. But part of that is you have electronics and stuff in the pit. Yeah. So like if a radiator hose blows and coolant goes everywhere, it could kill a $20,000 module. This dyno was 105 grand. Damn. Yeah. It's got a belt drive system on the side of it. So you can uh, keep the wheels locked together for all wheel drive cars. And it has its own independent eddy cell for loading on each roller. Wow. Yeah. This thing's bougie. I love it. Damn. That's crazy. I'll admit Totally didn't need to buy it. <laughs> like, I really thought there was more market for that in our area because Houston's not far away. And there's tons of dyno shops down there, tuners, da 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 And I was like, College Station, it's time. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> no. Like, the it rarely gets used, except by us. We, we hammer that thing. We love it. I'm sure you'll make some money off of it eventually. Oh yeah. Well, so like we've made money on it. I'm just being, I'm just being mean about it because right. the stupid thing is not making the money I want to make. Of course not. Right. But no, it, it's, it's made like a third of its purchase price back in like two years. So not, not terrible. You've only been open for two years, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, it'll get better. Get there. Yeah. I was like, it'll get better. <laughs> If that uh, so, actually, we uh, we did a million in sales last year, and that was our first like full twelve months running. Damn, that's yeah. good, man. Now, like we're we're doing really good, and we have a great vibe. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. That's the most important. Like, if you don't have a team of people that like give a shit, want to be there, and enjoy themselves, like school was closed the last two days, and one of my guys has this kid. He's like six or seven. He's fucking awesome. I love him. Yeah, and uh, he brings him to work, and. Uh, I basically had an LS I had to tear apart. We're taking everything apart. I have him helping me and his dad's over there doing other stuff. And he's like, is he okay? You know, is he good? I'm like, bro, he's fine. So we're taking this LS apart and he's like, what's this? What's that? And I'm like explaining everything to him. And he's taking the oil pump off, cracking all the rods and he gets the crank. Yeah. Now I had him in the shop, like working with me and watching him super close. Like I'm not going to let anything happen to him. But uh, so we pull the crank out together and he's like so excited. He goes to his dad and he's like, look at this. You ever pull the crank? And he's like, well, like not on that specific thing, you know, because he's a professional. Right. <laughs> he's like not on that specific engine. And he's like, oh, so it looks like I've done something you can't do. Why don't you get back to work? And we're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> so super cute kid. Love him. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, anything you want to shout out or. Shout out your shop. If you don't want to, you don't have to. It's up to you. No, nah, man. I love my shop. I'll say uh, Aaron Automotive is fantastic. I love the place. If you need a good wrench to be turned, come on in. On the flip side, if you want something better, maybe, and you're close, like don't move from like Wisconsin or something crazy, bro. Like We need one guy. Don't don't be crazy. Yeah. yeah don't <laughs> it's be- like... Yeah, it's like, I hate those people that are like, oh, we need 47 people. Bro, no, you don't. No. You're going to, they're all going to show up and they're going to starve to death because you don't know how to manage your workload. Now we're going to have to mutiny against you. Yeah. It'll happen too. (laughs) Yeah. You got to watch out. But no, man, it's been great talking to you. Uh, Love being on the show. And yeah, I'd say it's just a journey. Building a shop is just, uh, it's a wild thing. You just got to do a lot of crazy stuff. Thank you for coming on and thanks for your service in the Navy, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was kind of fun. I heard a lot of stories about the Navy. They're all true. <laughs> Even the gay ones. No, <laughs> oh, shit. no, no it's, it's not bad, man. Uh, my time in the Navy was pretty sweet. Like I did two cruises in the Persian Gulf back when we gave a shit about the Afghan war. Yeah, right. And uh, it, it wasn't that bad. Like the, the weirdest thing about it was just the loneliness because you're on a ship with 4,000 other people. But thousand, yeah, dude, the carriers are huge. Jesus, yeah, it's a floating city. So, like, the Enterprise is what I was on, which she got decommed in 2012. It has eight nuclear reactors, which isn't a state secret at this point. So, you know, whatever. But, um, that thing hauled ass, that ship was quick and it had a lot of people on it. So, there was a ton of other squadrons. So, like, we had a Marine squadron and we had like a a2 squadron and just random crap and yeah it's a lot of people yeah and you work 12 on 12 off the entire time like if you're out for seven months at sea 
you're 12 months on or 12, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. And in those 12 hours, when you're off, you got to wait in line for an hour at the chow hall to get food. Then you got to wait in line for 45 minutes to get a shower. Then you got to like do something, go to sleep, whatever. Gay and stuff. then, yeah, gay stuff. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Actually, I've, I've never been so buff because there's angle iron everywhere in a ship. So you just do pull-ups all the time. Yeah. Because there's nothing to do. So it was like, you'd be like, bro, I just did 46 pull-ups. So that gay bro stuff. Yeah, right. But yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was awful. But at the same time, we got to see a lot of different countries because we're touring. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that was the best part of it. Like we, it was. It, I called it like prison with pay, but you got like three days to like go out and see the world at a random place. That's so like, I've been to France, Italy, Dubai, Bahrain, like just all over the place. That's so cool. So it wasn't that bad, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where there's pros and there's cons, and the cons are really conny. <laughs> so so maybe don't just jump in there and be like it sounds great because i think we're about to like slap up world war three with russia so like maybe don't yeah hopefully not yeah hopefully not but you know can't trust it can't trust anything Bruh. that's that's the weirdest we live in the weirdest time ever we have ever. all the information available to us but you don't know what's true. Like you can Google stuff about COVID or like uh, ivermectin or uh, hydroxychloroquine or like uh, monoclonal antibodies. You can Google any of this stuff and you get mixed results. Yeah. So you don't know what to believe. And then you can Google other stuff and you don't know what to believe because you, you can go down crazy rabbit holes, like either direction, left or right. It's oh, the weirdest yeah. thing. And oh, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a wild time to be alive, man. That's why anytime I get sick, no matter what it is, it's day quill, night quill. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, bust out that Vicks Vapo rub. Yeah. Bud Light, day quill, night quill. You'll be fine.